Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell and the elusive enigma himself, Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. Sure, you can get your trumpet information in other places, but one, can you trust the source, and B, you might have to pay for it. For fast, free, and easy access to information, head on over to WorldTrumpetFederation.com for all things trumpet. Whether you're a teacher or performer, we've got the stuff you need. That's www.WorldTrumpetFederation.com for all your trumpet and teaching needs. And by MTJ, Military Trumpet Jobs. If you're interested in auditioning for one of our country's fine military ensembles, then you need to know about MTJ. This valuable resource provides exceptional musical knowledge for anyone preparing to audition for a military trumpet opening. In addition, the information contained in these well-produced videos can give you that necessary competitive edge when it comes to winning the job. MTJ is a resource for performers and educators that contains the history, unit missions, audition process, and standard excerpts for entrance into the United States military bands. Kevin Paul, Ryan Brewer, and their team have created a valuable resource for anyone considering a career in the United States military as a trumpeter. So go to MilitaryTrumpetJobs.com for a wealth of information and to view the videos and performances that can help you win a job as a trumpeter while serving our country. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up, couple things, and no offense. We use these segments to educate, enrich, by essentially emanating information that we believe is important to an entitled and identified trumpet ecosphere. Gentlemen, shall we? Each week, we ease into the show with a segment we call Warming Up. And each week, Warming Up is brought to you by Chop Saber. Made with all natural ingredients by the man himself, the alpha of avocado, the administrator of arnica, the captain of castor oil, the lion of lip care, Dan Gosling. So go to ChopSaver.com wow. and get you some today. Like the website says, ChopSaver, it's for people with lips. So we do use this segment to talk about things that have been on our minds. Brian spends most of the week planning out his topic. Joey keeps a list because that's what he does. And I go last so I can decide what I'm going to talk about by the time we get to me. Brian? <laughs> So, um, so this week, what's on my mind is the, the community part of a community band or brass band and the social contract you sign when you join up. Uh-oh. Wow. I, I think Brian's going controversial Uh-oh. here, Uh-oh. but well, it's still related to cornet playing. So, of course. Um, and it relates to trumpet playing, too. And we've talked about, you know, how um, to be a good citizen on a job and a gig and how not to get kicked off and how to get called again. But when there's no money at stake and it's, you know, not your playing career in your town at stake, it's almost more important to, you know, be, a, be somebody people can count on. So um, we had a little snafu in my, in my group where two weeks before our first major gig, we've had to replace a solo chair. Uh-oh. Because they've forgotten that there's something they have to do on that date. Oh, boy. And, yeah. And, uh, and then we've also had some, we're having some shuffling going around in the, in the coronet section because somebody else has decided that they, they just, it's just not for them anymore. <laughs> and it's 
when people are volunteering in a look, so in our situation, it's four hours a week plus contest preparation and concerts in a 48 week season. If, if you're not somebody who can get along and people can count on, it gets really difficult really fast, especially when there's no money at stake. Like, why would you want to be around that? And I just want to say to, to everyone, yes, it's important on a gig for your career and all that stuff, but it might be even more important in a group where there's no money at stake, there's no career at stake. And uh, just to be able to get along and be flexible and be kind and give people some space to be human and make mistakes, but also make up for those mistakes. I don't know. That's just really been on my mind a lot the last two weeks. Wow. Understandable. Well, right. If you're working all year, because 48 weeks, let's just, let's just say yeah, that's just a whole year. year. And that's going to be two nights a week plus, right? So the rehearsals yeah. are two nights a week and then plus contests, plus concerts, plus all the other stuff. Yeah. You better like what you're doing. Otherwise, right. why would you bother doing it? But it's and the also, people you're with. But it's also got to be a real, that's a real commitment. You're making a commitment to be part of that team. Not that, hey, I might have to miss a Thursday here or there. I have to miss one rehearsal because of. Right. But, right. That's a real commitment. you got to take that seriously. Yeah. Well, and that's the part of the brass band thing in particular that uh, fascinates me is that it really is about more than that. Like, you're right. It's a, this is the thing that it is about. It's the yes. community thing and the interaction right. with others and, and how, every, how interdependent it is, right? That's the thing that's at stake here. Yeah, exactly. And we're not pros. We're, not, we're all learning together. I mean, some of us are pros, but basically well, we, we're all learning together yeah. and we're all in this, so our sleeves rolled up, trying to get better every, every week. And, uh, and it's just somewhat disappointing when, when those types of things happen. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Well, yeah, especially here you come because like you get really rolling here in October, right? Yeah, right. yeah, and, the tenth. So, but, but the season essentially starts. We start. We in get August? two weeks off. Yeah, we get two weeks off in August. Um, usually, the first two weeks in August, we come back, and then we get um, a week or two at Christmas. Right, but what I'm saying and is that's, that's basically like, it. It, it. If you're not going to make that commitment then you had that opportunity to get to the end of last season and exactly. give a little bit of notice. Or if you know, hey, listen, this isn't right for me or next year's really just going to be bad. There was time not that long ago to say, it's hey, you know what? So to get really early into your season and have to do this amount of work is not showing these people's best uh, best work. Yes, yeah. I, I agree. And we yeah, are premiering two of Bill's pieces on the, on the 10th of October. And that's going to make everything better. Yeah. Maybe that's what drove these people out. It could be. <laughs> it I, being I was really wondering as I was writing some of it if it wouldn't drive people out. Wow. <laughs> so if you want your part. if you want your brass band to uh, turn over quickly, just call Bill. Have him commission a piece. Commission those pieces. And uh, yeah, it's probably it was probably it might have been Brian's cornet solo I gave him in one of those. Maybe that's what put everyone over the edge. Nah, we we'll do it. A fun kiss works really well for that group, man. That'd be great. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. Beautiful. Wow. Well, Joey, what do you have for us? Well, I told you I'd report back. As uh, since I've <laughs> since we've last recorded, I have been to uh, St. Louis and to Arkansas. So if you remember right, I was going to, I was going to play with the St. Louis Symphony and play with Kishi Bashi. Yes, I that's have, right. I How have now done this. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you, 
it was cool. So he is a a violinist. He is a singer. He is a pianist. He's a composer. So he has taken a lot of the stuff that he has written previously, and they've now orchestrated it, which includes some improvisations, which he has filmed. So they put the film of him playing these improvisations, and then they've he and other people have orchestrated around these pre-existing uh, improvisations. Wow. Hmm. Kind of a cool show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was very interesting. And then uh, and then I was down at uh, the University of Central Arkansas, uh, Go Bears. Uh, you might remember nice. that that's where Scottie Pippen went to college. I'm sure you guys know that right off the top <laughs> of your head. I was going to say <laughs> that, yeah. And, and they had me in, and uh, it was great. Uh, I got to spend time, obviously, working with the Trumpet Studios. I played with both the jazz bands on their first concerts of the year on the on Thursday night, mm-hmm. uh, but spent, you know, four full days doing some warm-up nice. classes early in the morning, uh, rehearsing, doing open studio stuff, and, you know, doing a couple of talks for the music majors there. Uh, and a great time. They're really doing great, great stuff. Uh, let me just, quick thanks to Dr. Doctor, one of your people, Ross Allhorn, who's the, yes. the trumpet teacher there. Relatively new in that position. He's doing great work down there, and it was, it was nice. very cool. Meet all of those students, uh, make some great connections down there, uh, let them know that some of them are spelling their own names wrong. Um, <laughs> of course they are. I'm, yeah. You're yeah. the guy to clear that up. <laughs> I, I did my best to, to clear that up, but getting back with St. Louis was very, very cool. Uh, you know, check in with the orchestra and, and, you know, they're doing great. Um, and get down to Arkansas, uh, um, visited a bike shop, which Bill, Bill will be happy to know in St. Louis. Cause I yeah. locked oh, yes. up the chain, had to get some work yes. done, but, um, yeah, I love on. that you traveled with six horns and a bike on the and roof. Bike. <laughs> that's well, seven horns, but that's seven true. <laughs> so, nice. um, yeah, that's true. I did. I ended my bike <laughs> up on the top and I did ride, uh, when I was in St. Louis, I was right next to a park. And when I was in Arkansas, I was just South of a lake. So yeah, I made some did. big circles around the lake there, but yeah, I was riding while, while out there. But, uh, yeah, now I'm back home and about to head back out to, uh, Bill's home state. I'll be back with the Pittsburgh symphony soon. As I told you, uh, Byron Stripling's a new Pops conductor, so they're doing some very big band type stuff. I'm thinking, I've seen the music now, I think Byron might actually be doing a little playing on this concert too, which would be really great because he is spectacular uh, with the horn. Mm, That's great. uh, So yeah, uh, but Kishibashi, it was was cool. It was worth checking out. That's great. Yeah, so things are going well. I just have this image right now, Joey, of your, your mom hanging out with her friends in Texas, explaining, you know, talking about all the things that you just said that you were playing with this group and this group and this group and this group. And one of them saying, so he just can't hold a job. <laughs> right. I just can't lock that job you down. You just can't stay with just the one. Yeah. Well, well, I did, you know, for those worried that I'm not doing my job, uh, I actually started this year. I, st- I taught all of my students a lesson the week before school started because I knew right. I was going to be gone for a week in Arkansas knowing I was going to miss this week so I could stay on track. And I'm not going out to, to Pittsburgh till late in the week so I can see everybody before I need to leave. Very cool. So I am, am doing my job. I'm still teaching. At least, at least I'm still teaching. As best I can. Yeah, of course. Got to see my students. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, very exciting. So, Bill, what's up with you? What, what do you got for us well, today? I, I did some traveling, too. Uh, I got to go back to Denton, Texas to the University of North Texas, where there we did a memorial concert for Keith Johnson. Oh, right, yeah. so, right. So finally able to get everyone together to do that. And it was just a really, man, it was an amazing event. A ton of people turned out for it, and I was honored to emcee that event, uh, which was just really great. And Keith's, and just, Keith's wife was there, right? Yes, she was there. and A she, driving force and getting absolutely. making this 
go. Yep, organize that. Um, and and so just this, like, just reminded of the lasting legacy of a great human being in pedagogue. I mean, the yes. impact, the stories that people were telling, both formally and informally, about Keith was great. And it's always cool to go back to North Texas, no doubt about that. But but the whole thing, too, reminded me of the responsibility that we have as teachers. Like, if you look at the impact that Keith had, right, and how seriously he did what he did, but the way that he went about doing it was just simply incredible, and the potential impact on so many lives, um, and the stories across the board were, you know, yeah, it was it was about the trumpet, but it was really about families, and it was about finding people jobs and it was about, you know, their, you know, helping them through their careers. So I just, it was a, a really great time of reflection and to be grateful and to know that like, man, it's a luxury to do what we do, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it, so, it, yes. it, yes. you know. so were you saying that it was kind of a good hang? It was a great hang all the time. No offense, Brian. That sounds terrible. It was, no, it was fantastic because there, there really are no, no bad places to hang in Denton, Texas. So all right. Denton is very it's a very different Denton from when I was there. In, yeah. In, 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 I would well, think that was seventy five years ago. So yeah, and thank you. They have electricity yeah, and indoor plumbing now. <laughs> and all that now. <laughs> AC. They have AC now. Well they yeah. if I remember right, there were the undergrad dorms did not have AC. The yeah. what's the whole uh, hold on Hall. Bruce Hall. Bruce Hall, yeah. I think when Eagles I started, started college, yeah. they did they did not have AC in Bruce Hall, but that was where yeah. most of the musicians were because that was the closest one to the well, music it's, building. Yeah, it's right there. It's across right. the street. Yeah. 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 Now you were a grad student there. You weren't living in the dorms. No, I was not living in dorms. No. Yeah. I had an apartment with air conditioning. No, oh, because yeah. you're in Texas and you well, need there's just yeah. You need it's air conditioning. No choice. Yeah. No option. <laughs> Anyway, great to go back and honored to be part of that event. But boy, what a terrific perspective Keith's life and career provided. So that is amazing. That's very beautiful. And now, boys, I was pretty excited here. The Open Bell mailbag is back. Oh, mailbag time. That's right. So, uh, listen, I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but Karen has really been a bit grumpy lately. Uh, she's she's it's not hard happy to about tell if, <laughs> she's really not happy about the office wide mask mandate, uh, but it seems to be more complicated than that. Uh, I was going to ask her for help mailing out some of my new books, but decided against that. Um, Smart move. <laughs> it was all I could do really to get this list of emails from her. When I saw her yesterday, she was mumbling something about if you want your cornet cleaned, you can clean it yourself. Brian, <laughs> anything you want to share there? Are we everything OK? I was just hopeful. I thought she had some downtime and was going to be helpful, but. No, That's my hope great. was misplaced. That is a great assumption. Please don't ever do it again. <laughs> but the good news is we've got some interesting emails from listeners. Email number one. Hey, guys, really enjoying the show and wanted to ask a question about a topic that I don't believe you've covered as of yet. When making PDFs of books, solos, and other published materials to share with your students and friends, do you copy those at 100% or do you reduce the size a bit for better margins, especially on that expensive, oversized French stuff? Signed, Curious in Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So now when I'm copying your book, I mean, any sort of uh, music that I want to uh, share with students. Wow. That's awesome. Now, let's be clear about this. There are books that we use that at this point are in the public domain. Yes. Yes. So if you need a PDF of the Arbenz book, you want a PDF of the Clark book, you can find those and legally find those because they have been the same for, I don't know, since they were published. So that being said, 
newer books, for example, 26 Contemplative Studies. You a should purchase. It is a new book. <laughs> new book. New book. You should be buying those books. You should be building your library, right? You should mm -hmm. absolutely be investing, one, and just in having those and owning them, and two, supporting the idea of other people putting out new and interesting stuff. Yes. Because this, sure. is, this is the reason, I, actually, all, of my, all, all three of my daughters are mad at me that I won't, uh, I won't pay for Spotify or Pandora because mm -hmm. the way that they pay their artists is ridiculously low. Yes. And they have argued with me, hey, but those people have money. I said, not all of them, just the big, giant, famous ones. But right. I want the idea of I want to encourage people to be making new stuff. So I will support by buying their products. And yeah. you should be doing the very same. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a funny way to get to the point, but there it is. But yeah. <laughs> throw someone under the bus. <laughs> I can't imagine who that would be. No, not at all. Yeah. All right. Email number two. You guys talk a lot about cycling, which I really appreciate. My question is this. You probably know that Julian Alaphilippe just won the world championship again. Again, back yeah. to He'll back. Be wearing the rainbow jersey two years in a row. What an amazing feat. What aspect of Lulu's artistic defense of the rainbow jersey can be paralleled to musicianship or trumpet playing? Well, do you want to start with this one? You're the expert in cycling. Well, I, I, I mean, have, I'm happy to go I, in. I just know no of the expert. three of us, I, I am. I know the least about cycling of the three of us. Well, I mean, in terms of the parallel, yeah. I mean, I'll get us started. Uh, he was prepared, right? Um, he was diligent about his uh, about his approach to the event, and he knew he knew how to pace himself through it, and he knew exactly when to attack and get the win. Yeah, I was just going to say all about the attack and the repeated attacks too. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I, I he kept I look, throwing it down. I, I look at this just a little bit differently. Sure. For me, for me, this is all about practice. Because yeah. if you go into the World Championships and yes. you, if you have been taking time off, like, well, you know, I'll take, I'm going to take a month off here, and then I'll get myself back in shape for the World Championships. And there are, even at the professional level of musicians and athletes, there are people who do think that way. That idea of like, well, sure, I can take some time and then get myself into it. That's not the same as living it and really doing it all the way through. And it's a year-long endeavor. Not that you don't take days off when training as an athlete or even as a musician, but the idea of having the long-range preparedness. You don't win twice in a row by accident. Right. Like that's a, that's a plan of preparation and practice, consistency of practice. Yeah. And if you know a lot about cycling and, and so you look at, I mean, then you have to love Julian Alaphilippe. I mean, oh, yeah, come on. I mean, and, and he, he is relentless in his in his approach to this. Like he will attack sometimes and you think that's never going to work and it doesn't. But it never keeps him from doing it again, sometimes in the same race, but from race to race. Sure. You know? And it's just this relentless pursuit. Because he's prepared, because he practices, he's he always has this overwhelming self confidence uh, well, to yeah, go and get it done. I, you know, I've had people ask me before, like as a, especially when playing lead, how do you you know make sure you don't miss those notes? And I'm like, oh, pff, listen, I never think I'm going to, and I'm absolutely <laughs> going for it, right? So, right. listen, there are times it doesn't work. Right. So when I look at someone like him, it's like he's going, going, all right, let's try this. And yeah, those times it doesn't work. Okay, he doesn't win. 
But when it does work, oh, it's spectacular. 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 Willing Same to thing. Take a chance. Same yeah. thing. You lay out yeah. and go for it. Because yeah. well, when, when it, it was, works, it's awesome. Yeah. Everybody knew it was coming, right? Everybody knows his MO. They know how he does those races. And he still did it to them. Yeah. 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 But I, I love drawing these parallels. This is great. Great question, by the way, uh, from Dale from Ohio. So thank you, Dale, for that question. <laughs> Knowing that we... You know, we're all into cycling and, and trumpet playing here. It's, it's all, all the same mm-hmm. to us. Well done. All right, email number three. Oh, my gosh, there's another cycling question. What are the chances? <laughs> What's the toughest climb in your road cycling repertoire or that you've done? Is this primarily a physical challenge or a mental challenge? And how does this compare to your trumpet playing other than being dropped at the first sign of elevation, Brian? <laughs> uh, this is uh, Ridley, also from Ohio. Thoughts? <laughs> was on my teeth when we left the front door. <laughs> well, let's see. Since Brian's normal climb is up the stairs. Brian, <laughs> God. Brian's New Jersey elevation is amazing. It's really bad. It's yeah, really not, flat. I don't here. think it counts as elevation. That's no. right. It doesn't I count as I think you have to get to triple digits before you're in any, any <laughs> elevation. Yeah. It's a speed bump. Yeah. 35 miles, 24 feet of elevation. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, I know the roughest one is the one you dragged me up. You dragged me four miles I was up a say, mountain. King, was, King's Gap was King's Gap was was the funnest yeah, thing we did. Three and a half. I wouldn't call that fun. To be fair, that's not. I think it was fun. A, okay, we climbed so, up the side of a mountain. So back to the question: Was that more of a physical challenge for you, or was it more of a mental challenge? And how well, does that compare to your? Well, let's point? let's be open and honest with our our listeners. <laughs> if you remember the first day, you told me. Oh, we're just going to go out for like 20 miles. And at 15 miles, we're still going away from the house. So, no, let me finish. Let me finish. (laughs) So what you were doing is for you mentally, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And for me, I'm like, oh, this is never going to end. So mentally, I was shut down and I was bitching up a storm. Now, the time we went to King's Gap, you said, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be nine miles out. It's going to be four miles up, four miles down, nine miles back. It was the longest thing we did as, as a trio for that week. Did I complain once? No. Yeah. No. No. I, no. I did not fine. complain. I did he not complain at all that. on that day because <laughs> I knew what was coming because I was mentally prepared for it. Now, had you told me, hey, this is just a five-mile jaunt and it goes a little bit uphill, I never would have made it. <laughs> so I think being okay. mentally prepared then allows you to engage physically because you know what you're up against. I think they're related and they're inseparable. I you was, did complain when you were cramping that night at dinner. That's right. That after was the dinner, first was... night when you lied to me. Oh, that wasn't the King's Gap night. I was, was fine mentally and physically on King's Gap. We were working hard, and I was fine until Bill's. Um, what is it? It's like your your Wahoo beeped because it thought you were standing still. Yeah, I'm like Brian. That crushed me. I go, Brian. You got to get moving. My computer thinks I'm stopped. It literally beeped, and I was like, oh, man. That was not okay. That yeah, was Bill, mentally Bill's, not okay. Bill's computer's a little vibey. It's a, it's a little, little vibey. bit. Really? That's all you got? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I do like the parallel, though. Joey, and you bring up yeah. a good point, right? Just being mentally prepared for what's in front of you, for what you got to yeah, do. Other, yeah, I think they're absolutely inseparable. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're in the mental space of not knowing what you're up against, then every single part of it can seem insurmountable. But if you know where the end is, then you know where you're going. My toughest climb was this thing called Centerville Road. Wow. 
It got <laughs> it, it won. It beat me. I did climb it, but I did have to stop once. Oh yeah. Oh. I felt bad about that. Yeah. But man. I will say that you guys have helped me with this part because when I got when I was in Arkansas, there's this there was a lake just north and I looked and went, so if I just ride up, it looks like I can make a big circle around the lake. That looks like it'll be cool. But I didn't know any way of checking the elevation because the maps weren't that detailed and just oh, looking yes. so I didn't get too lost. Yeah, it was a little hillier than I anticipated. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I did have a big picture in mind of I know where I'm going. Right. So I knew where the end was. It wasn't just an endless sort of, well, I guess I'm just going up. But I did pull, I turned right, and there was a big down, and then a l- very large up. It went, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. It is nice. But to you know. did it. It is nice to know it's happening. Yeah, a couple of times. I did it twice. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, nice. All right, email number four. I'm thinking of starting a mouthpiece company and wondered if you guys might have some advice. Everything we make will be a variation on the 7C. Should I go with a numbering <laughs> system or just snarky names? Uh, SB from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> this is easy. Um, stop right now. Do not start this company. <laughs> Save your money. Because <laughs> we will do everything we can to put you out of business. <laughs> Especially Bill. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on a mission, as it were, yeah. as it were. We want All Bach right, to stop making the seven C. <laughs> we don't we need more of them. What we really need to do is just go right to the source. Yeah, yeah. cut it off at the source. Please stop doing it. Yeah, just please stop. Replace them all with five Bs. Exactly. Yeah, gotten some other messages about this very topic. So the word's getting out. We're doing right. good work. We're making a difference with that. All right, boys, time to type the mailbag and move on to a couple things. With so many books and methods to choose from, it can be overwhelming to decide where to turn for the right exercises or studies. But have no fear. Today, we're going to share our favorite resources and approaches across a variety of techniques and topics. So to guide our discussion, we're going to tackle this monster in categories. And here are the categories. Sound. uh, Joey, get your horn. Sound. (laughs) Articulation. (laughs) Flexibility. Dexterity. Transposition. And endurance. You left off range. Yeah, range. We'll leave that for the end. But uh, so we can can add and delete as we go here if you want. But I thought it would be a, you know, this is the kind of conversation you have with somebody like, hey, what are you using for this? What are you using for that? It's a great reminder of the stuff that's been around forever. But, you know, we might drop a few new things today that people don't know about. So let's start with sound. What do you got? What are you using? What are you doing? Wow. I mean, this gets oversaid because it's true, but every every study is a sound study. So pretty much everything you're going to use. But if we're going to go simp- the, the simplest way of just introducing sound, these are the things that get overlooked. Mm-hmm. The beginning of the Arvin's book. Mm-hmm. There are some yep. really lovely things on... Uh, now I can't remember the, the, the old, the new page numbers, but I think it's number nine and 10 right out of the beginning. Yep. Yep. These things are just great. They're half notes. Right. And they just go in different keys and they're all about eight bars long. Very just the simplest thing in the world. But it's about making a clear sound right into the middle of the horn, right around the middle of the horn. It branches maybe up to to maybe uh, G on top of the staff, but you can keep going higher than that. But it does go down low as well. 
the Arvin's book is a great place to start with sound, but most people gloss over the the beginning of the Arvin's book and jump right to the characteristic studies. Huge mistake. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I love the Arvin book for that um, in the beginning, and I'm so glad you said what you did about it. Everything is a sound study. If you, I mean, this is what we're doing, right? We're trying to sound good on everything we do. So, you know, that's a good thing to keep in mind as you're making these assignments. Um, I'm going to go away from the book idea for just a minute because I, I have books that I use for this, obviously, but I want to talk about using drones and the Scale Master app to mm. play flow studies over them. Um, I think it's the best way, you know, kind of do some matching back and forth, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know, Joe, you do this too with etudes. Uh, sometimes go line for line or, or measure for measure. Mm -hmm. for tone matching studies and uh, doing those over a drone like the scale master or tonal energy tuner are really good ways to go about that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the stamp book. And I think that because it forces you into the extreme low register, that that's a really great way to, to develop, help you develop the dexterity that's required to, to play with a really great sound. And um, I also love um, just doing some lip bends right off the center of the horn. That was a Gatala thing, um, which I found fascinating. And um, there are two other books. One of them's, I think, pretty super, it can be controversial for a lot of people. Um, I do like the Michael Sachs book, just the opening of that, of yeah. that book. There's some, um, there's a, a lip mouthpiece, trumpet, little, it's super simple. It's literally five notes. Um, it's super simple. I think it's a great, for developing um, sound concepts for a lot of um, younger players and then players who are doing some, some rehab or some, some embouchure uh, adjustments. Um, and then I'm, I really like the Jim Thompson book. Um, uh, it's called the buzzing method. Now I think it was when I bought it, it was buzzing basics. Buzzing I like, basics. I don't, I don't read, I don't have my students read all this stuff in it, but I love the first four studies. Um, and uh when I was doing a lot of changing, when I was studying with Pete and I was changing my technique a lot in um, doing my doctorate, um, I actually felt that found, found those first studies, four studies to be very helpful um, to develop a different technique. I think maybe mostly because it broke me out of some old bad habits. Um, and so I think it might be a, a, a path for, for some people. Um, yeah. So, yeah. When I think things. of this too, let's get back to like the idea of doing lyrical studies or easy lyrical melodies to develop this. I love to this day, still love the Conconi lyrical studies that John Sawyer transcribed. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's, sure. That's a go-to. Yeah. It, it's a great one. Me. And uh, Mike Chikowitz and Mark Doolin have been putting together the stuff Vincent Chikowitz used into flow studies books. Yes. Yeah. And, and they've great. also just put out um like the old flow studies, you know, the everybody knows they've yep. recently put out a new book of that, which is great for this kind of stuff as well. That's cool. Yeah. yeah they're, that's in my, they're somewhere in my office. They're here somewhere. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, that's great. Don't forget Schlossberg, you know, the, the, all of these old staples, course, they're yeah. there for a reason. They're there because they're great. And they're not just there because everybody used them. The reason everybody <laughs> used them is be usually because they are that good. Absolutely. I heard that Fattis once somebody was asking Fattis about um, technique and, and becoming a player. And, and he said, well, I think step one is, can you play the first three pages of the Schlossberg book at Pianissimo? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's wow. about 30 minutes of playing. Yeah. You know, at it's a reasonable question. Yeah. Did he ask? Good thing he didn't ask you that, Brian. No. 
Well, what's PNS? Well, here's, here's an exactly. answer. The answer is <laughs> the answer is, is no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can get through fortissimo. it. But everyone's going to know I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I will say this, since you already mentioned, I mean, this is the reason that the kind of studies that I just wrote in the book were for like fall under this category. Wait, as you much wrote as a you wrote a book? I did. Yeah, hey, it's you out, have a book it's out oh, there. Yeah. New yeah, book. Out there. New book. How, what's um, the name of that book? How will we find that? Twenty six contemplative studies. I know it's yeah, it's kind of a complicated title, but you can go to williamstoman.com dot com and, and uh, oh, the there we go. Yeah, now, how much will I have to pay for shipping for something like that? Oh, free, totally free shipping. Wow. That's yeah, a, in that's the a good deal. Yeah, U.S. free shipping. Even in Jersey? Yeah, even in Jersey. Well, <laughs> no, that's the, that's higher there. And, you <laughs> There's know, a like, tax to get it across past the guys and, at the bridge. Yeah, and if you're a college trumpet professor and you're gonna like you're gonna order a bunch for your studio, like, let me know. I'll work with you. There we go. You know what I mean? Just yeah. to get it out there. It'd be really cool. Um. Anything else you think that you just want to get on everyone's radar for sound? I think we've hit the the basics here. Chickowitz. Right, Conconi, Stamp, Schlossberg, um, Flow Studies. Yeah, right? Drones, Arbens, those are all good, yeah. No, I did, I did want to mention in terms of sound, um, people talk about why you have to have a good sound is that that's what everybody hears. Um, you need to play with a good sound. It's your identity. Um, it's your calling card. All of that stuff is true. It's also a outward manifestation of your physical technique. So if there's something wrong with your sound, um, it's because your technique is somehow faulty. You might have it on your face wrong. You might have a dysfunctional embouchure. You might be using your ear wrong, tongue position, uh, any number of things. But that should be like a, you know, you should just have that in the back of your mind that there's something in my sound. Can I change that? Like there's something I don't like about, it's not just about not being able to hit notes or not having range or turns or flexibility. It's is there some fuzz or some tightness or some, is it covered? Is it dull? Um, those things can, um, those things are a result of some physical issue um, that you can change. You don't have to be, what do they say? Tethered to, to a poor sound. Um, right. you, you are able to say it. And it's not just a gift for some people, you know? Hey, but, but, but that's how I play. It's what I that's how like. I play. Yeah, that's right. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Good. Good stuff. All right. Well, no, not a ton of surprises there, right? But other than I, Brian, I like what you just said though about you know trust the feedback that you're getting and let that yeah. guide you know yep. let that guide what you think you need to do next. Um, and of course, the thing I've got to throw the thing. It, this is tough because Joey's thing. I mean, it could be in every category here, obviously. But ultimately, right. what do you start out doing? Long tones. Long tones. Yeah. Right. Just make a, make a, a great sound on every note of the horn. Make a great sound on in every part of the horn. So yeah. there it is. All right. Next topic uh, is articulation. Uh, I'll be back like in ten minutes. You guys, yeah, go you're going to so check out on this. I'm going to make a Bill, sandwich. You're going to need to listen to this part, and I'm going to start somewhere <laughs> unexpected for most people. I'm going to start with the Clark book. Now, oh, no, shocking. I, shocking! I know, I know. You you guys are all shocked, and everybody who knows me <laughs> is shocked. But I still run into people who are like. You don't tongue the Clark book. How would you come up with that? Well, I what? read the instructions. <laughs> Mr. Clark was actually fairly clear that you should be using articulations in this. And it is a great book for single-tonguing, double-tonguing, triple-tonguing. I mean, this is a great book for all kinds of articulations and, and different exercises in different ways. Herbert L. Clark Technical Studies. I find that to be an absolutely invaluable book when coming to study articulation. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what if somebody were to say that's maybe a little too advanced for the person I have in my studio? Well, they're Do wrong. You go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> they're just wrong. Well, I mean, I, I know you can do a lot with essentially a, a Clark book and an Arvin's book. Right? Yeah, sure. And and yeah. if you're again start at the very beginning of Arvin's, and it starts with whole notes on G. Yep. But each one with a clear articulation. Because let's talk about this. I and I, I, I talk about this in lots of master classes. I ask this question: What is the tongue's job in playing the trumpet? And I get all kinds of of, of um, interesting answers, like to interrupt the air. Now, the tongue does interrupt the air by you know literal definition, but that's not its job. It's like saying that your car's job is being a giant hunk of metal. It is a giant hunk of metal. That's not its job. You right. know? So the idea of what is its job, let's be clear about this. Your tongue's job in playing the trumpet is to give notes a clear beginning when we choose. Because we certainly don't need to articulate, right, Bill? As Bill was <laughs> Perfect example. Here we go. I'll set you up. Made a career out of it. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. You can, <laughs> right, so we got, you know, we can we can air attack and we can slur. We don't need to use the tongue for the beginning of the notes. And we certainly do not want to use the tongue to place those notes into place, which lots of people do. So no, that no is the, ball. the only job is to give those notes a clear beginning. So what we're practicing when practicing articulation is the coordination of having that tongue hit right there at the beginning and give that note a nice clear beginning. And practicing that coordination can be whole notes at the beginning of the Arbins book, can be chromatics at the beginning of the Clark book, can be, um, you know, uh, arpeggiation through all, uh, you know, Clark number three, for example. No offense to Brian, who just threw up in his mouth just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, you know, we go right back, and then there are musical ways of going about this as well. So once you get uh, in, you want to have these apply to etudes. Again, the the, the front uh, part of the Arvin's book is a great place to go because there are little three-line, two- and three-line etudes that are not uh, musically or technically demanding but do uh, require a clear articulation. And then, boy, when we get into uh, we're getting into you know, high school and college, I love the Brandt book and I love mm-hmm. the Goldman book. And those yeah. are great uh, musical ways of practicing really clear articulations. Yeah, I'll just add to this because I've got the, some book stuff here as well. But I just want to hear more tone than tongue. That's, right. That's the answer for me. Like, I don't really need to hear the thwack at the front of the note. Like, I just want to hear the note start. Like, when you press a piano key, there's a lot of stuff that goes on under the hood. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I don't need to be aware of it. I just hear the tone start. I just think that's that should be the ultimate goal. So, Joey, what, ask me the question. The the question. What what. What what's the tongue's job in playing the trumpet? Here's my answer. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Bill's doing doing amazing work there. Yes, he is. <laughs> well, it's the thing that I hear like that's it's the biggest violator of tone, right? Right. That's the, this is the thing. You know, when you hear young players, developing players, it's all that articulation that is just destroying what's happening with the sound well they're making their tongue do too much work yeah um i i like the getchel first book of practical studies oh sure for this for articulation yeah just setting up what it is because they're linear enough that you can teach tonguing in the concept of line sure and it stops it from being because one of the issues is if you, if you zoom out a little bit to the musicianship aspect of it tonguing makes everything really vertical 
And so if you start talking about line and shape right away from the beginning, and Getchell's great for that, you can reduce some of the hammer tonguing that's going on. I like that. I'm, yeah. I'm really into the, um, the Vizzuti first book. You know, yeah. his techno, yeah. um, because That's it's kind of a very, continuation of the Clark book, yeah. really. Exactly. But but later on, when he introduces articulation, just regular um, single tonguing and then the K-tongue and then the double tongue, I think it's much more graduated than the Arben book. And so I yeah. think that's a very helpful addition um, to, uh, you know, to what we needed, I think, if you're not personally creative with what you're doing. Quick aside, years ago when I was teaching public school, there was this Mideast All-Star Band Clinic in Pittsburgh, and I went, and Alan was there as a clinician, uh -huh. and I, I knew who he was, obviously, I couldn't believe he was there, I asked him for a lesson, and he gave me a lesson. We just found this open room, and we just played, and this is well before the books, and he had me doing, he's like, you know, your Clark studies, I play this, now do it this way, now do it that way, now do it, he was all, he, this he's was already before all that happened, yeah. he was already twisting and turning those things to make them work, it was incredible. Well, he'd yeah. obviously and, done and he that kind of work. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, but he'd obviously done that work, because I remember stumbling upon those books, I was already on the road, and in some music store in, somewhere in the Midwest, I think I was in Nebraska, and I said, Alvazuti has books, and they were just the first three <laughs> that were out at right. that point. So, yeah. you know, I'm out on the road full time. I don't have a lot of extra room. I'm like, yeah, I'll be buying these right here immediately. Like I right. opened, looks kind of looked through and went, yeah, I'm going to need all three of these right now. Yeah. Yeah. They're great books. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, terrific. So those are, of course, obviously from a technical standpoint. Um, and of course, Arben we go to, there's so much in the Arben mm -hmm. book sure. to deal with this, like the little melodies right after the first studies. I love those. Boom, mm -hmm. boom, 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 boom. Those, you know, great little studies in six, eight. Uh, to, that follow those. Um, Joey, you said Goldman, all in with Goldman. I also like Jill Small, which we've talked about before. Yes, absolutely. And I like the Bousquet. Yeah, absolutely. Celebrated studies for yeah. all of these. Yeah, you guys ever good, use good as well? You guys ever use Shoebrook? Oh yeah, the lip trainers. I don't use that a whole lot. I don't yeah. either. But I, I mean, I'm not saying it's not a negative. It's just one of those things yeah. that's just not in my rotation. Um, a lot of my students just need help with that first. Well, everybody does, right? Is the, the first note. And in his book, essentially every note becomes a first note because you play the note, you take it off your face, you put it back on in four, and then you play the next note. And it's really fascinating to watch um, students struggle with taking it off the face because like you can make a pretty you can be pretty secure in your attack after you've centered something and you make some sort of sound and right. then you play, play the note. That's fine. Once the system is set up and going, but when it's the first note and all the exercises are set up like that, um, I find it fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Great book. There's, yeah, there's two of them. There's tongue yeah. trainers too. I need to revisit that. Ah, oh, see, that's weird. Tongue trainers. That's a weird title. I don't yeah. like the title. Lip trainers, like tongue title. trainers. I, I don't like either title, frankly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good books, bad titles. Yeah, yeah, that reminds totally. me of the is it the tongue controlled embouchure? That's where it puts me. Oh my gosh, <laughs> mind right. of that, right, Jerry? We're gonna have to have that. Well, we that's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have Good to discussion. We might have to go after that. Yeah, that that's title awesome. Just, I was just kind of made me flinch just a little bit. As well, it should. Yeah. So. <laughs> the last thing I would like to say about articulation is this: is just another way to teach this is that you should not be tonguing at a louder dynamic level than you're playing. So don't play at mezzo piano and tongue at three Fs. <laughs> yeah, you actually coached the band play fortissimo, tongue pianissimo. I did. 
which yeah. is a great concept. And it seemed to kind of, there were a lot of light bulbs that went on there. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, yeah. that I don't have to ha physically hammer to get the volume that I want. Yeah. Fact, well, Michael used to talk about that in Cleveland, Mike Sachs. Hmm. He would say, the louder you play, the lighter you tone. Oh, God bless him. Right? That guy's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. The, there are plenty of people around here who appear to look and say, you know, every note's a nail in my tongue is the hammer. And that's <laughs> just not really the way to go at it. <laughs> that's great. That and a 7C and you're home. There it is. Oh, man. And you're home. I'm just saying. All right. Any, any, this is uh, articulation going once, going twice, going three times. And just remember, now. all these are just a place to start. Like, there's lots of other stuff out there. This yeah, is just what we're idea. throwing out to get you going. Absolutely. Um, cool. Let's move on to flexibility. But before we do, I have a uh, question. Wow. I was, you <laughs> caught me. I know. My you're mouth ready open. to go. Yeah. But I, I want to know, I, I'd like to hear you define what flexibility is i actually do this a, a lot as you okay. know i keep I know. dictionary definitions around for anything here's my definition of flexibility the ability to move from any one note to any other note thank you that's yeah. it yeah so it doesn't have to be about tonguing or about slurring or and about, it's not it's just lip slurs just, right yeah exactly yeah i mean it, it, that's part of it sure but mm -hmm. playing half steps is flexibility right and some people have a hard time with that I, I'm kind of rigid and locked into place. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> uh, I, I probably told this story on here before because that's that's what we're going to do now. We're going to repeat ourselves. But I was playing something for Keith that had this long lip slur in it. He goes, well, what it, you know, what is a slur? Oh, man. And I was like in dissertation mode. So I went into this long, convoluted <laughs> explanation. And, and in this typical fashion, is only Stepped he could. right he goes, in it. He goes, um, so what you're saying is you're going to play that note and then you're going to play that note without tonguing it? <laughs> I was like, e yeah, yes, yeah, sir. Or, or, or it could be that. Yeah, make it simple. Or, you know, you could just say it like that. Yeah. He goes, well, you know what, why don't you just do that? Let's yeah. try that. <laughs> and ultimately, that right, that's, that's what it is, you know? Yeah. That's what it is. But Brian, yeah, do you have a, like a patented definition? Oh, no. I, I mean, for our purposes, I think... Uh, flexibility is is mostly slurring um, and mostly slurring without the help of a valve change. Mm. So um, skipping a harmonic, playing adjacent harmonics, that's sort of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about flexibility. And I have some some books that I that I use specifically. Right. So do you designate then uh, between valve slurs and lip slurs? No, I mean, in terms of the technique, yeah. no, I just think that the lip slur is... Um, it, it, it needs to be developed in a way the valve slur probably doesn't. It's, it's a little easier, I think. Follow-up question. Do you add valves to help someone develop to get to a good place with a lip slur? Sometimes. Yeah. I love that. Sure. Yeah. E to G. Yeah. Play it one and two or play it third valve until you kind of lock it in and then you can play it open to open and it works. I've actually seen people um, like do an open slur but they move their index finger or third finger and they'll hit the, um, the, the Touch ring the lead pipe and it, and <laughs> yeah. it breaks. Yeah. Yep. It's super easy. It's too. just a, it's just a mental and physical trigger for yeah. them. All right. So I didn't mean to get caught up on the definition here, but I, I kind of wanted us to kind of set important. the stage with that. No, it's important. You got to know what you're practicing. All right. So to that end, I'm going to start with a crazy book. Okay. I think this is a fantastic book. If you don't read anything that's in it. Just use the exercise. I like how this is starting. Yeah. Uh, this is the Lowell Little Embouchure Builder. Oh, yeah. That's a great book. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's an yeah. oldie but a goodie, right? That is an old. Is that still in print? I'm yes, serious. I'm serious. I'm not. I sure. have no, it, no, no. and I used it. Yeah, <laughs> I've used it recently. Okay. And he doesn't mean with students. <laughs> no, right. on me. No, but he <laughs> still myself. has the one he bought in the '70s. So, yeah, yeah. same red and white cover. I've yep. used that for a ton of students, especially those that have needed some sort of embouchure adjustment or evolution. Yeah, uh, you super know, good. Yeah, it's it's a really great introduction to flexibility. Love yep. that book. Needs some editing by Joey, though. I'd be happy so. to. Yeah, some deleting is what it needs. <laughs> wow, look at and that. And here's why I say that because it right off the bat goes to the A E thing to go from a low like C the, to a G. I don't like the A E thing. Right. No. no. Yeah. No, there's just no need for it. Wow. Um. So yeah, there's there's mine to start. Uh, what do you guys, well, what else do you have? Well, uh, can we start now and work backwards? Because listen, sure. our our good friend Scott Pelk's written two books. He has. They're great. They're great books. And, 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 you know, they're both looking at flexibility from a broader perspective other than just lip slurs. But lip slurs are definitely part of those things. So they're really good working in some, you know, dexterity and some, you know, large scale, large scale connectivity over the entire instrument. But both of Scott's books are terrific and should be included here. Those are modern. Go buy those. Um, but, boy, let's go to the first one I think most of us probably used. Charles Colon Advanced Flips, Fle Lip Flexibilities, Volume 1, 2, and 3. Yep. It's a great book. Great now, book. it's not a great book for beginners. Now, it's, it right. is called Advanced Lip Flexibilities, and fairly quickly, you are into the upper register. But, yes. boy, it, does it, it, it is very stepwise. It's going to get you there. Through all yep. seven partials, they're really good. You know, they all start in the middle, go up, and come back down, and I've kind of taken and modified, made my own kind of, version of how those things i would like to use them slightly differently but it's a great book yeah it's a terrific book for flexibility i remember getting to undergrad school and bill becker having me buy the um smith lip flexibilities Did you know that book yeah yeah mm -hmm. that escalates quickly yes. very fast <laughs> yeah. that is very I was true like, oh oh yeah okay. and uh if we haven't mentioned nobody's mentioned bylin yet no i'm i'm gonna i was going to because i I have a thing with Bylin. Do you have more to say about it? Go ahead. I'd love to know what you have to say about it. I find that to be a good book used in small doses. Interesting. Yeah, I like yeah. it. And I'm not saying I don't want to. I'm not trying to say anything negative about it. No. But I don't find it to be a great book, and it is not a book I use a lot, all of the time, or with every, even with every student. So this is what I want. Here's my take on Bylin. I first I I heard about it and I bought it, and I'm opening up and I'm looking like, oh yeah, this is groundbreaking open to open two to two like there's nothing new here right these right. are there's just nothing new i don't understand what the the thing is but then i actually did the prescribed sequence i did the whole right. group yeah. and then i went oh yeah there's something there if you take that and do the entire group intact now you can, will benefit yes sure. now can we say this aside from what you just said uh, unless we're saying otherwise please read what the author wrote now, I know yes. you just said to ignore some of that, but this is, you know, again, where we talked about, you know, articulation in the, in the Clark book. If you don't read anything, you just think I'm supposed to slur the whole book. No offense to you personally, Bill, you know, because uh, <laughs> you are not. That's not what Mr. Clark wrote. It's not his intent, you know. Right. So, yeah, definitely read these instructions and say, OK, this author actually had not just wrote out exercises, but gave you instructions on how to use them. Yeah. And it doesn't take that much time. There's four exercises. 
read. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'll kill you. <laughs> Dead where you stand right now. Super so, short. Yeah. How long wow. can it take? Um, we cannot. We can't get out of this category without. Of course, we've already mentioned Schlossberg once. Yeah. Um, right. And Irons. And I, I'm sorry, I have, I have a couple stories today, but I first, I, I got to IUP and there was a story about this guy that used to go to school at IUP named Kevin Eisensmith, who was there years before I was. And the legend was that Kevin played the Schlossberg book from cover to cover every day. Oh, jeez. That that was his routine. Wow. It was this sort of legendary thing. So when I got to grad school with him, I'm like, I, I have a question. I need to ask you. I hope it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Whatever you want. Well, the story is this. He just busted out laughing. He's like, oh, my God, no. Who could do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, who no has one the, could do that. Who has the time to do that? Yeah, that, yeah. that's interesting. And that's the Schlossberg book is one of the more interesting ones as that was put together after he died by, I think, son-in-law. Is that correct? Do I remember that I correctly? I think that's right. And it was um, son-in-law to the trumpet player and he kind of put it together. But it's there is that's not an order. There are no instructions. That is right. literally a collection of exercises is what that right. book is. Yep. So my teacher, undergrad teacher, had a system that is still in my book that he got from someone Sure. that was supposed to be the gospel truth on the order they're supposed to be in. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Now, I, I do, IU has evidently the manuscripts and letters like have come here from the Schlossberg family that I oh, still wow. have not put my hands on or my gloved hands on and be able to look at because mm. I thought, you know what we need? If the information is there, we need a new edition. Yeah. Like an accent, but I don't know what's in there to know if that's even viable yet. So it's a little academic hope, research. Hope yeah. 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 Something I, I hope to do. I want to yeah. throw one more book in. Um, sure. That you guys will may see as controversial. Um, Mark Van Cleve's Maximizing Practice, Volume 1. I'm telling you, some flexibility stuff, fascinating. Yep. Interesting. He does what Scott actually, Scott said a few years ago on one of our tours. He said, I'm, I'm really big on separating range from power. And sure. the Mark, Mark Van Cleve books, the way they're written is a decrescendo as you go higher in these flexibility studies and crescendo as you go lower. And it does require you to do some different things with your chops and your setup. Yeah. Let me issue just a warning. Of that, course. <laughs> that there are people that do that, that then can't ever really play high. Cause what they're really doing is backing off and placing notes as they go higher. This and is it true. works that works. And then when you have to use that range in a musical setting, you can't, you can't do it. Yeah. So exactly. I mean, I'm not, which is why the fives so, that you have are so important as well. Or, or just large scale things, you know, cause I also have my connectivity things, which draw you in yep. three note chunks that then tie them all together that need to stay even in sound concept, right? So that your sound concept has to remain full and clear because what happens as you back off and a lot of people, as they back off and go in, they lose their quality of sound, but sure. the notes speak and they think, well, that's I've a got good it now. start. And now, like now, I've got to start on that note. Which, if it doesn't have sound, you don't, because right. then you're going to have to do something different to make sound happen there. So to that's just a, a warning note. to go along. Not that it can't yeah. work, but that is a huge caveat when going about things in that way. Yeah, it's important. And so I had two other things I was going to bring up. Joe, you just did one is that your manuscript on for fluidity and connectivity, mm -hmm. those things that we can and for even sound. Yeah, yeah. Even so, it'd be great to get those one. on the, if you're into it, to get those on the site. Oh, I can get those up, yeah. I should he has those, he can email them to you. 
I, 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 a, I should write a book or something. It's crazy. Yeah. You, send them, you know what? Send them to me. I'll make some PDFs. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they're out. I'll get them out to everybody. Um, the other one, I don't think we mentioned this under flexibility, but irons. 27 oh, yeah. loops of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Love the irons yeah. book. It's a great book. Yeah. Uh, I just want to make sure that that gets on the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. There's. I'm going to go back to Lowell Little for just a minute because um, there are some melodic things in Lowell Little that use, they're interesting melodies that use same valve combinations oh, yeah. right. per mm-hmm. phrase. Right. And I think those are gems in that within that book because it's it's sort of that transition from making it a technical pursuit to making it a musical pursuit right so i just like that like idea great last words on flexibility i think we did well there yeah it's good all right on to dexterity mm-hmm. well i have i have three books can i lead off with them go, yeah, go. clark <clears throat> clark and clark <laughs> it has to start there right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yes. how can it not yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's absolutely, if, if, you know, if you're a trumpet player who's serious and you don't have a, a an Arben's book and a Clark book, I, you know, to start your, that's where you got to then go buy, go buy them. Or actually they're both free in public domain. Go download them. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can tr- throw Vizzuti in there too, right? The Vizzuti books, Vizu- yeah. books are great. Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you want to think uh, music, the Clark elementary studies, they're yeah. etudes, right? Mm-hmm. Care owned of the characteristic studies. Characteristic studies; those are pretty complicated. And they're they're definitely advanced, but they're really yeah. good. You know, as far as getting the the fingers and dexterity together. Uh, you know, again, Arvin's book. You know, you you have all of the scale studies built in there, and then you get to the characteristic studies, and those are great. You know, and the cornet solos in the back. See, Brian, look at that. See how that. There works? you go. I, I like cornet it. Solos oh, in. look at that. <laughs> and but, it was mentioned by Joey this time. That's, but but they're great. You know, yeah. they're great dexterity in musical setting studies. Yeah. You know, you want to have those sorts of things. Yeah. But yeah, they're. Uh, yeah, that's great. So uh, let me ask you this. Your, what is your favorite? You could get to pick one etude for a student to work on across the semester to improve finger dexterity. What's the one etude? Finger dexterity, one etude. That's the rule? Yeah, the best etude you can come up with to work on finger dexterity. Well, characteristic study number two. Oh, E major to E flat major with some weird because you it also get some good flexibility in there and the fingers and articulation that's got all of it right in there and they do turn around to go to make the transition boy people wrap themselves in circles in that Brian what do you got Charlie A I think it's yeah 14 exercise for the third finger yep that's the one that's my favorite that's oh, my that's favorite. Is that the 6-8 one? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. is a good you one. You just sang it in duples. The last... Well, the I last... think you can do it in, in both, right? You can do it I in duples and it. triplets. I do it in duples. I think of it in I think of it in six. I think of it in two, so it's... Right? Yeah. That way? Yeah. Yeah, it's in, it's it's actually written it. that way. That's just exactly how he wrote it. Yeah, I see. And then I think it body, 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 body. When yeah, that's the, a giant pain in the butt. That's yeah. awesome. So that's I think a good I think call. it's fantastic. Yeah. All right, that's I, the one. I, 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 I have another exercise you could do, uh-huh. which is Clark number two, shift everything up a finger. 
So you play first valve with your middle finger. Oh, I, I've done this as a fourth valve practice. One of my oh. friends, uh, uh, one of my good friends in the army, Tom Williams, uh, he's still, uh, still a good friend. He's in the Baltimore area. Great jazz player. He leaned over one day and said, hey, man, what do you do for the fourth finger? And I said, oh, easy. Look. And I, <laughs> yeah. I said, just play everything two, three, and four. And he went, huh? I said, everything. Just switch. That's awesome. Right. And yeah. uh, he came back a couple of days later and was like, oh, man. <laughs> That's a great way to practice anything. And sure enough, when I started cramp, grad school, cramp, cramp. My, uh, my hand got slammed in a car door and my first finger got kind of broken and was in a splint. So I actually played. I played that way for about a month. I was doing gigs in that way because my first finger was my right, you know, was completely immobilized. Wow. So, but it was a great way. I started doing that uh, with Clark Studies as an undergrad to get my fourth finger better to play piccolo. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you remember a week ago, I could have used this information a few years back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Reading off the the wrong road. I think I was just ahead of my time. Exactly. (laughs) I was just, I was on to something. You didn't know you were doing it. I didn't realize what a great idea I had at the time. Absolutely. There's actually Um, a great, you're going to, again, controversial for me. There's a great exercise in Wiff Rudd's book. That's just a third finger study. So you play from a low F sharp, you go up and down four times, only moving your third finger, go to G up and down four times, only moving your third, then up chromatically to C up and back down. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a good idea. We do it at 144 in our group warm up, and everybody cramps up. It's a beautiful thing. Right. Well, yeah. If you've uh, read uh, Vizzuti's piece, Cascades, I was just going to oh, say, yeah. there's a little <laughs> part in the it. middle of that where I was trying to figure out what scale that was when I learned the piece until I figured out it's just the notes without the first finger. Right. It's yeah. a, it's 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 only notes that don't use the first valve. Right. And you go but a little 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 you can bit a little better it's crazy but it's a it's a great exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh yeah, cascades is awesome. And I haven't thought about that piece in a long time. Oh, Are we yeah, still doing dexterity? Talking about this. I've, yeah. I've got yeah. one more dexterity book. Go for it. Go. The Nag- Nagel Speed Studies. Oh, Speed Studies. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great call. Yeah, that's yeah. a great call. Do you do you guys know the Peach Virtuosity Studies? No. Do you know that book? I don't know the book. Oh, man. How do you spell, spell that? Spell that? P-E-I-T-S-C-H. Probably saying it wrong. Peach Virtuosity Studies. I, this is one of the things. I had so many great books in my undergrad program because Bill Becker knew. like It was crazy how much oh, yeah. stuff he knew. Books and stuff. But that was a that's a really great technique building book in a musical context yeah dexterity book that's cool i think i'm sure i still have it i'll find it i will find it uh anything else for dexterity we talked about clark four love clark four that's the last of the clark studies (laughs) wow (laughs) final one our final one, going once, going <laughs> twice. Uh, great. Let's move on to transposition because I know Brian's dying to talk about this. Oh, my God. <laughs> no? I do, I, yes, I do. I, I, I do like transposition, and I do like teaching transposition, but I also hate teaching transposition after the first semester. Um, so all of my students do um, the first three Arben duets. Um, they have to play the top line in... A, C, D, and A flat, because everybody's got a B flat trumpet. And then they have to play the bottom line in E flat, E, and F. And we do the 
we just do one a week and we play it through seven times. Um, and then at the end of the oh semester, yeah. Then at the end of the semester, they have to play Bordoni number one on their jury. And then for the, for the rest of their time, they have to play, you know, uh, Saxa and they have to play Bordoni's the rest of their time here, but I never worry about their transposition again, whether they're going out to play a gig or whether they're playing in the orchestra. I just never have to worry about it. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Here's what I do. I start in the back of the Arben's book with 150 classic and popular melodies and yeah. just kind of randomly hey, this week we're going to go uh, usually if i've got a student who's got a c trumpet i'll start with on b flat and c and on c and b flat yes so they can kind of go if you have any doubt read the uh, on the other horn is written and then we move away we'll do two a week and then we move yep. away to say okay in d trumpet and d flat trumpet and a trumpet and you know an h trumpet like we just move around mm -hmm. you know and kind of work through that and that's most of the freshman year and then there are the three big books that have been existed for a long time that are still the three big books for me. Soxa, Bordoni, Caffarelli. Now, yeah, they're all yeah. intended for exactly this purpose, and they all do a great job for this exact purpose. Yep. So I use all of them. And that being said, then there's a, an awful lot of music. Now, to be fair, I still use the uh, Brandt book, fair. to be fair. To be fair. Uh, okay. I learned the Brandt book because Barbara taught it on CNB Flat. And I just thought that's how it was oh, supposed to be right. done. Right. <laughs> so when I, I remember the first time I did a master class and somebody stood up and said, I'm going to play Brant number one and had to be flat trumpet. I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> oh, right. You can just read it on any horn you like. So I actually do that quite a bit. They are orchestra etudes. So, uh, you know, in the United States, what's the primary instrument for orchestras? C trumpet. C trumpet. Right. So I have my students go on C and B flat and they start off reasonably enough if you've been through some other things first. And then you have to kind of work your way through. So I'll also use large-scale etudes that way as well. But yeah, uh, but Saxa, uh, not sax, and the Cleveland Orchestra, but Saxa, S-A-C-H-S-E, right. you know, 100 studies for transposition. And, you know, the Caffarelli book is great, and the Bordoni book is great. I'll throw Getchel book one and two back on the pile for this. I use Getchel when I'm introducing Piccolo. Almost I do every too. student. It's Pull out the Piccolo and read it as written. And then we go, yeah. let's read it up a step, up a minor third, up a fourth, and get us right up into the piccolo range in an accessible and easy way. And you can play Absolutely. eight bars in a breath. Easy. Yeah. And I like Conconi for this as well. Sure. I think the Conconi lyrical studies were great. Transposed. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the ranges all work. Very cool. And I, the last thing I would just add about transposition is that we always equate it with being a site-based um, endeavor. Yes. And That's a great it's, point. It's really about hearing the tune, internalizing the melody, and then being able to play it in whatever key. Like, let's use our ears to transpose. Yeah, let's just not make it both. I want to make it both. I really want to uh, argue well, for making this both. Because, you yeah. know, some people's eyes are better than their ears, and so they rely upon them. And that was huh? me. Exactly. <laughs> but I could, I could read really well when I was younger, but I couldn't hear anything. So, and then I have students who hear great, and they don't really read really well. So, listen, if one of those things is better, sure. But then you want to use both. So what, you should be double checking. If you read really well, use your ears. Does that sound like what it looks like? And the other way around, does that sound, does it yeah. read like it's supposed to? Do you yeah. think, though, don't you think the default, and when you talk about transposition, we we think about it as a visual thing. Yeah, oh, I agree with we, you. Yeah. You know. Although I've had students walk in, especially with those 150 sure. classic, classic melodies, going, well, yeah, I played it as written and then went, Oh, so I just have to play in a different key. Who have really good ears? Yeah, I'm like, yes, golden. yeah, yes. But what happens if it's atonal? You still right. need to be able to have your eyes work too. 
Right. Agreed. So that you know what you're doing. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so endurance and range. Do you want to deal with these separately or do you want to deal with them as a thing together? We can we can separate them out. There's overlap, them obviously. Out. Yeah, obviously. Because uh, endurance... Gosh, after a certain point, I almost don't like the word because it's the connotation has really become in trumpet circles to mean strength. And I don't think that's what endurance is. I really think endurance is really about coordination and playing well. And if you're doing that, then you're just not really going to get tired a lot after a certain amount of growth. You know, I mean, for when you're you know just starting out, yeah, there's a certain amount of musculature that's going to be built as you kind of learn and play. But I'm not worried about trying to get stronger as a trumpet player if you're playing well. <laughs> no, because you're drilling double C's. <laughs> but that's not so much about strength. These are as coordination. There are people who can play double C's that can't put them in a concert. Well, that's uh, true. All right, go get your horn. Right, nice. <laughs> there we go. Grab your horn. But it really is about a, a, the coordination of playing well. So when I'm thinking about endurance, now what I'm thinking about for endurance are either long setting studies, like, again, I, I use the Clarks, and yes. you guys know this in the thing, where yeah. I'm putting it up there and I leave the horn attached, even through rests, with the idea of I'm going to play the same way from the bottom of the horn to the top or from the top to the bottom or from the middle out, that I'm approaching the horn the same way. And those, the, keeping that long set helps with that and helps with the coordination that is endurance. But if we want to talk, and, and then a lot of times you want to have the musical application. And this is where solos do a bad job for us because mm -hmm. solos have lots of rests. Right. right. So by the time, you know, uh, I mean, all etudes are good endurance studies, all of them. So every etude book. Now, when we're talking advanced, if you really want to see, if you're feeling good about yourself and you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, I've played, you know, the characteristic studies and I've played the Charlier and these are good. It's time for you to know about Walter Smith's Top Tones. Oh, top yes. Tones. yes. I, these are great. They're great etudes. They're two pages. They always go up somewhere around high C. They have really good technical demands. And they're long. So it's the yes. idea of, okay, are you really playing well so that you can play this whole two pages and execute all of this stuff musically and still sound great? Love this from an endurance standpoint. Yeah, That's, that's my rant on endurance. No, it's great. And, and that's the book for me as well. That's the that's the landmark book in this discussion. Top tones. Top tones. It's, it's a great it's a great it's a landmark. book. Yeah, I have uh, I have two things to add to the endurance question, and I I, I really like ba um, Belk's um, variation um, on Vince DiMartino's stuff, which he calls constant set. Constant yeah. set. When Scott introduced it to me, he called it constant contact, but now he calls it constant set. It's, it's set. It's on his uh, website. Um, and it's where you leave it on your face and you breathe through your nose. And it's about a seven minute exercise, I think, seven and a half, maybe eight minutes. I also like um, the um, principal trumpet player of the Chestnut Brass Company, um, Bruce Perry, I think his name is. Amazing trumpet player. Um, and he, I talked to him once about, I, I watched him, him do a concert once, and they started out with this um, contemporary fanfare, couple of minutes, just hard hitting thing. And then they proceeded to go through the entire history of brass literature and development. And he sounded amazing on everything and was strong at the end of the show, all the chops to burn, no problems. And I asked him what he, what he did. So what was his recommendation to do, to develop that kind of endurance? And he said, well, there's one exercise that I recommend that everybody um, learn to do. And that is to put the trumpet on your face, um, 
at number nine in the Arvin book and play from number nine to number 50 and then take it off your face. Ooh. It's a it's about 40 minutes of playing. <laughs> that sounds that sounds extreme. It's pretty intense, um, but it does work. <laughs> Um, as long as you don't kill yourself, as long as you don't kill yourself uh, again, yeah. a caveat for going after those kinds of long setting things. If you just decide you're going to go all the way in on this on day one, you could really actually just end up hurting yourself, which means <laughs> right. then you have to take time right. off. Right. That's right. a good place to end up. I don't know that that's a great place to right. start. And I do believe that you're the point you're making about the, um, the coordination and that is, if you're playing well, the real reality is that people who you, who can play forever, um, it's not that they're stronger. They have a different technique that allows them to play for whatever they need to play forever. They're functioning different differently on the instrument. They're not just be able to bench press 600 pounds and you can only bench press 200. That's not what's happening. Great te trumpet technique, physical trumpet technique will give you that kind of endurance that you sort of covet. Right. Yeah. That's what that's what I I've, I've been basing my whole both performing yeah. career and teaching career over yeah. not only it's not just about building strength, it's about building coordination and playing fundamentally well. Then you just don't get tired. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, great. Any other thoughts on endurance? Work slowly, build mm -hmm. up to it. Yeah. Rest as much as you play. That's another big thing. People do that. They extend the amount of time they play. They extend the amount of time they rest. Yeah. Um, good. On to range. Our final topic, unless Brian has thought of another topic in the meantime since we started. <laughs> there are probably other ones we're just like, uh, we're, know, just we're hitting what we think we'll get more mail uh, range I, if i can just rant like i do about everything range means the entire range of the horn not just high notes right because once you start thinking that high notes or low notes are different then you're going to start playing three different ways and lots of trumpet players play three different ways yep. they play the middle of the horn where it's easiest because the horn will do more the horn helps more in the middle register it does more work for you so then what happens we go lower well, I'll just sort of over relax and those notes will come out. They won't sound great, but they will come out. And then I'll just tighten up to play high because I can squeeze and make those come out. And I can kind of get to a certain point of that being working good enough. So now you're playing three different ways, which again is just going to get in the way of your endurance and all of the other subjects. So we need to be thinking about range as from low F sharp to the highest note on the horn that you're, you're going to want to play. And that being one thing. Mm -hmm. one idea and then practicing the coordination again not strength but building the coordination to make all of those things work because as you go higher essentially what we're dealing with is margin of error it's hard to miss a low c because there's no note lower than that on the horn and the next note higher than that's a fifth away you go up an octave now you got two notes below it and and the next note above it's a major third you go up another octave and there's a note one step on either side. Yep. So what we're talking about is the coordination of mar margin of error. All we're doing is building that coordination and building range over the entire range of the horn. So we make it all one thing. Right. So this is where, Joey, your idea is so important is that people think it's just you just got to blow and to play high notes. And you go, well, but Joey's idea is that it's coordination. 
And that's not just brute strength or just blowing air at it. It makes it a very different endeavor. You also said something else. I just want to do one other thing you said to me, not very long ago, maybe just a few years ago, we were talking about range or development or something. And and, uh, you said, basically, you can play from low F sharp to G on top of the staff and do nothing physically. (laughs) Like the instrument will just work. Every half step you go above G requires just a little bit more coordination. Yeah, but you got to build. You just have to build the coordination, and it all still yeah. works. Yep. Right. But the idea. So then the idea is, where can you do this? Well, you can do this anywhere. The problem is most <laughs> of the standard books that are out there, um, sort of stop. You know, if you read the Arbin's book, and you should, you should read what Mr. Arbin wrote. Now that material doesn't always hold up so great because he's looking at the top of the trumpet range being high C or high D, and we yep. know that's not true. You know, I mean, there's lots of music that requires range above that and what he says to do is just press a little harder <laughs> it's not great advice and, and the artist's book is a good proponent of ah e ah e and let me just say this right. once you start thinking e you're now at the top of your register because there's no vowel that's going to get you any higher so yeah. i think ah everywhere and we're tying the whole horn together so uh, you know a lot of things you mentioned of mine that i like you know are all built around building the entire range of the horn together into one thing right and, you know, this is where actually, um, this is where uh, the Charles Colin book, Advanced Lip Flexibilities, actually does a good job of this because it does go to the extreme upper register. This is where Stamp actually does a good job of this. Mm-hmm. This is where Schlossberg does a good job of this. These aren't books that just stay where they are. The Clark book, you know, most of those studies yeah, stop. But G. as soon as you get to the fifth study, it does go, it's written all the way up to high F. Wait, there's a fifth study? Exactly. Clark? Is that a yeah. volume two? <laughs> <laughs> and not only that it's just in major scales you know it's major scales yeah. and it goes up to, it's written up to high f you know so these idea that oh this doesn't exist in standard trumpet lit of course it does yeah that the, the material is already out there and i think it's important for people to when we're talking about range for people to actually buy into your position joey that is it's not a special thing that only a few people can do right. everybody can do it everybody can do it but that's not a thing that's talked about in a lot of places. Right. I get myself in trouble because essentially I fundamentally believe this. Now, I'm not saying if you don't want, if you don't care about playing a high G and you don't think you need to and you don't want to, fine. But for you to say that that it's not possible, that's where I have the problem. Yeah, and right. I think there's, a, there, there's some defensiveness in, in some standard trumpet pedagogy out there of like, well, I've got a high D and I've got a great career, so we don't have to play above that. And that may be true, but again, that's separate from it's not possible or people shouldn't. Or only special certain people can. Yeah, that's garbage. Well, Anybody can. Yeah. Like, right. Joey, you were born with it. So well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I have never practiced in doing no. this at all. That's no. right. I just woke up one morning and started playing double Cs. That's right. Neither has, neither has Scott. Yeah. Scott's never practiced no. in the upper register. No, Scott. And, and, you know, I, and Scott and I have different histories here because I am somebody who did discover this earlier because yeah. I was just into it and wanted to go. And Scott ran into frustration after frustration. And then, you know, and, and, and he's been very public about this, where he, he's like, okay, I need to figure this out. And then started sending with Vince and started putting it together. Well, guess what? He figured it out. Yeah. You know, I may have figured it out younger, but that doesn't mean that it's any, any more valid and that it's not. It's not. If Scott plays in the upper register, great. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, the, the idea that you can't do it, it's just not true. Anyone can do it. Here's one. Uh, have you ever used the art of phrasing, 8VA, 
to work sure. on this? You know, yeah. I, I, I used to do this, has. but not just 8VA. I actually start, have have read it where it's written, Sure. up a half step, up a whole step, up a minor third, up a you know major third. You actually work your way up because if you just start up the octave, you can kind of try and hammer it and get it in a position. You want it to have that same, retain the same lyrical phrasing right. all the way up. Plus, then you're building endurance because you're building the coordination of raising it a half step and raising it a half step with the same quality of sound. Okay, wait. It's a great exercise. Wait, wait a second. I, I don't. I don't think this is okay. You're talking. Uh, just to be clear, you're you're talking about using transposition while you're working on range, and I don't think and you're allowed to do that. And, and endurance and musicianship and sound. These, and hold look, on, I, if these things are using our fingers, that would be dexterity as well. Yeah, but it's funny no. when I when I joined Maynard's band, a great way to start any sentence, by the way. Uh, people uh, ask Maynard ding. about I know when ding. people ask people ask Maynard about yeah, range. Exactly. One of the things he says um, uh, was like, "I would take standards, and then I would just move the keys, and then yeah. he would like play Stardust, like up he play it where it's written, and play it up a fifth, you know, like." Wow. Why? That's like what I was doing with the Arvin studies. I must be onto something because he's good. Yes, no. I can't really do it. <laughs> you know. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Are there are there any texts that you recommend to develop range? Well, I mean the ones I mentioned. You know, like they're already on the books there. Mm -hmm. You know, Clark book there. Schlossberg is good. Stamp is good. Stamp takes you moving up and the advanced yep. lip advanced lip flexibilities. Volume one, two, and three by Charles Colin. They get you really up there. Yeah. Those are all good. Yeah. I like the Augie Haas book. It's new. Oh, I do. I, I oh, forgot yeah. about Augie. I like mm -hmm. I like Augie Haas. That's H A A S. If you want to go find him, yeah. Uh, yeah. a New York based trumpet player who's he's a very funny man and he's a very good trumpet player. Yeah. Uh, but he's written some things together and some of the exercises he have have the backing tracks that sound they're awesome. <laughs> they sound incredibly dated and they make me giggle but yeah. they're really fun and they're, they're, they're give you yeah. some backing tracks for some very simple like very simple range, exercises range exercises augie stuff is very good mm -hmm. yeah yeah very cool all good stuff uh i've got a great set of the chickowitz uh studies that have been extended to double g oh by sure my, by my friend mark claudfelter mark wrote all those all out right and, yeah and extended everything up and yeah very yeah. cool yeah th those are those are great absolutely all right any other topics i mean this is a good start on this uh kind of coming you know back to these primary resources that we use hopefully some folks will you know will pick up some books today that they didn't know about yeah uh, and, and if not just at least affirm the things that they're doing you know by the way while you were talking i did look up in the uh however you pronounce peach yeah yeah it, q press has it and they're selling it, uh, the oh, digital right. version, for fourteen ninety nine. Twenty two virtuoso studies. Yeah, it's a cool book. All right, there yeah. you go. Cool book. So I may uh, pick that up right here. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, boys, time for no offense. Listen, know your books. Yes, we've been doing this a long time, but you have to know the materials available to you, and you have to decide what works for you. And also, buy the book. You're more likely to use it and become familiar with it if you own it and if you have a physical copy and not that illegal PDF from your friend that your friend John sent you. So make sure <laughs> as as an example, just as an example, completely hypothetical. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, right. Th these are the things that you're going to use uh, throughout your career. Just get the books and dig in and make sure you know about all these standards.
buy the books. Any book you buy is cheaper than a mute. Now, you're going to need to buy mutes as well. But books are still relatively cheap. Spend the money. It's always worth it. Yeah. Always, always, always worth it. worth it. Yeah. No question. No brainer. Buy the Outstanding. book. Outstanding. Buy the book. Well, listen, that should about do it for today. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Open Bell. Stay tuned and tell your friends and neighbors. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell. <laughs>